Good evening, guys. It is episode seven. I'm Jim. I'm Bob. And it's at Jim Bobcast. Bob, good to have you back, old Bean. It's bloody good to see you. And I'm not as full of the joys of spring as I was this time last week. There's little less bon vivant about me. The football at the weekend has... Yeah, has no... somewhat metaphorically <laughs> deflated me. It hasn't deflated me literally, unfortunately. A but... man out there in the summer with his shotgun has now killed the proverbial swallow. And we are just a cloudless sky with not a piece of wildlife around us. Anyway, moving swiftly on from Rantersville uh, into Rantersville. Leeds. Arsenal nil, Leeds nil, Atalan Road. Oh... I think quite a lot of people be upbeat about this result and it's actually bugged me more about the game because we held on for 40 minutes. Too many people have taken positives out of it and I was thinking at the point when Pepe did his complete fuckery, which we'll get to, I thought we were, I thought we'd been completely battered. We were like Cod, Haddock, Rock Salmon, Scampi. Completely battered. <laughs> you know, if we were north of the border, we'd have been a Mars bar we were battered that much. It was absolutely... Absolutely dreadful. It was Bruce, it was Kieran, it was the foot Danny and Danny, it was the full Dyer family. <laughs> it was shockeroony. Yeah, it just I mean, it had on paper at 425, I was super excited. He's done everything we've asked. He's played a Bamiang through the middle. He's started Pepe. He's put Willock in the eight. He's played three in the middle of the midfield, so he's played four at the back. It's the back four that you're probably quite happy with. I was I was sad to not see David Louise, but um, you know, just to give some joy, being a father myself, he was celebrating the birth of his daughter, which is why he was given a permission of absence by the club. So um, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're quite good with that football clubs. You know, um, uh, Jacques has had it, Ozil's had it. So yeah. Anyway, back to the um, Ozil has it every week now. Yeah, I think he's just, just on that. Just quickly, mm. we we did talk about this. We're not going to wax on about Ozil, but Piers Morgan laying into Ozil for not doing anything. What's he, what's he, I mean, Ozil's reply, response to that, I think was fantastic. Have you been hacked? Because he would have loved to have played, you know? I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I saw Piers actually allude to in his message, sort of saying like, you know, you should pull your socks up and, and get yourself back on the pitch. Like it's been, you know, it's appalling that you, you know, and I'm think, sitting there thinking, He's some sort of fucking imbecile. Like yeah, he's working his nuts off in training, according to players. So and and he's been deregistered. Even if he wanted to desperately play, he's been he's not allowed to play. Yeah, the club have opted to not pick him until they submit their re-registration for the second half of the season. He is not allowed to play until after the Christmas bubble or the Christmas bauble <laughs> for allowing to see your families has uh, has been relinquished. Yes. So, yeah, it, it was very odd that. And I know we have touched on the Ozil point, but I feel like today's conversation might bring us around the um, around to that conversation again, uh, just because what was evident in this game was, albeit it was nil-nil, we, you know, we were proverbially battered by Leeds. I mean, they had 25 attempts on goal, I think I saw. But the point Pepe was sent off, they'd had 15 or 16 shots on goal. They beat us... Badly. You know, our man in the match was the crossbar and the post, wasn't he? He <laughs> yeah. played brilliantly. You know, I don't think there was any element of that. You know, 66% possession to our 34, 25 shots to our nine, four shots on target to our two, you know, and 
Yeah, bearing in mind shots that hit the woodwork don't count as shots on target. (laughs) So, you know, they've been done out of 50% of their shots there. But, look, I actually looked at a couple of stats just to see whether or not Leeds put teams over their knee like this. They do often have over 50% of the possession, so that's not uncommon. But, for instance, you know, the big thing about what Arteta's done is he has added resilience. You can't argue that to still take a point from that game, if you're trying to be super positive, it is is better than losing the game. We've conceded 25 attempts on goal, and Sheffield United have played Leeds this year conceding 17. Fulham have played Leeds this year conceding 10 shots. So other teams are, you know, they're not getting exposed to the same level. No. You know, at 4.25, I consider that two points dropped. Yeah. Uh, 6.25, I'm quite happy that we got a point out of that. Well, that's very well put. You know, uh, where, where do we where do we like actually assess the match itself? Again, I thought you know a bit, I've seen a lot of people say they thought that we were really positive in the first half. We were more dominant. I just I just can't I can't remember a chance on goal where um, Aubameyang had a chance for him sort of on the turn and he he hit it into the um, hit it into the you know, into the stage into the stands and you know it's a proper. Not even a half chance, barely, really, to hit it on the turn blind and across the keeper into the far corner would have been a sublime finish. I think it's one of those ones that you maybe score four out of ten or something. Other than that, I just cannot bring myself to any chances in open play where we work the goalkeeper. Sabios had a tired shot from a set piece. That was a really bad set piece. Yeah, and then they didn't, again, with the set pieces, you know, there was the okay, they brought the centre halves up, but they used the short. We had different kick takers all throughout the game and our delivery into the box was was um, non-existent. You know, that second half when he came on, I thought Reese Nelson's set-piece taking was was really quite poor. He didn't get past the front man. And when he did get past the front man, he skied it over the lot of them, you know? <laughs> it was like watching someone playing Australian rules football, you know? Yeah. The bloke with the flag come out and waved it. But I just don't, I, I, I still cannot identify what the identity of the football is that they're trying to play. And I put a clip up this week and I've taken quite a lot of stick about it for Kieran Tierney. And it was a 12 second video that I recorded on my phone watching the game on television. And it was a period where Kieran Tierney, the ball kind of is involved in a 50-50 and he manages to come away with the ball and he's on the edge of his own box and he travels no more than eight or ten yards, and he's travelling with the ball at his feet with his arms completely out. Like, what are my options? Someone give me someone give me someone, someone come short, someone give me a run in behind. And then he subsequently then has to like put the gas on a bit because he's starting to get closed, and then still can't see anything. And his first instinct is to somewhat kick it with his right foot, scuffs it slightly on the reverse, which somewhat goes into a crowd of Abamyang and three others. And Aubameyang is not like is not desperate for the ball, so he gets a bit of a toe in. But subsequently, uh, the Leeds player gets a good foot in it, and then they recover the ball and then start another attack. And that just epitomised to me that the players just aren't really sure what's going on. There's no runners in behind. Thinking the, the words of the great Martin Tyler, that sums it all up. Yeah, you know, Willock looked an image of what he looks like on a Thursday night, and. The opposition... For his brother Chris plan. Yeah. You know, the opposition was not that much better 
than that that we play against, you know, in the Europa League. You know, what well, Leeds are a Premier League side and they can clearly play and Bielsa's got a really, really well-grooved engine there. But the point I'm making is that, you know, the teams that play in the Europa League are not complete Muppets. No, you know? far from it. And the structure that goes into the game that Willock gets to play, travelling beyond the nine and just creating in and around that area, it was just, it was saturated out of his game. Yes, and then obviously he was the one sacrificed at following the sending off. So yeah. obviously we can we can look at him in that first half. Were there any positives for you in that game? I, I do have a couple of positives. Yeah. My One of my big positives was I thought Leno was great in between the sticks. Yep. I thought he was really good, made some fantastic saves. Yeah, I think the save off the guy Dallas was phenomenal. Yeah. And so that's the Dallas theme tune I got involved in. Who shot JR? Who shot Alioski? Pepe, we know that now. But no, so uh, the, other, the other positive for me, for the short period of time he was on the pitch, Saka is brilliant. I love it. He is someone I'm excited to see play football for Arsenal Football Club. He has picked up an injury. Uh, we don't quite know how bad it is yet. When he was injured, though, I tweeted, to, I, I messaged you. I felt the pass by Aubameyang to him at that moment in time was a very lazy pass. Aubameyang should have kicked that with a bit more gusto to him, mm. which then beats the Leeds player. The Leeds player doesn't challenge him. He's, he's away with the ball. Because he's had to go towards the ball to get it there, that's where he's got knocked yeah. by the Leeds player there. So you could say it was a a slightly off-key off challenge by the, the Leeds player. But that was really Aubameyang's fault. I felt Aubameyang looked very utterly disinterested, to tell you the truth. Yeah, we'll get on to um, negatives in a minute. Have you got any other positives? I just had them two for me. I thought it was Bellerin's best game of the season. I am normally the architect, according to some of the listeners, that of the uh, Bellerin Out Brigade. <laughs> you haven't been his hugest fan, but you have, you know, you've been very honest. You've given him fair cracks of the whip. I think he's, he's played been... great games. He played great against Vienna, yep. and you commented highly on that. I did. Uh, in other games where you haven't thought he was good against uh, United, and you praised him there. I did. But then when he hasn't played well, you have been honest. So I think you're honest about Bellerin's performance this season. I, my, my opinion of him has always been that I think he's a phenomenal athlete. I think he's got a great engine, he's got a good turn of foot. He struggles in the one on one defensively, which is probably why he would prosper in a five. But positionally, he looks. He doesn't communicate with his right-hand centre-half, so he gets actually caught out in a five. But he defended well. Not a lot came down their left-hand side, to be fair to him. They were more prominent through the, the middle and the lines because the midfield, I thought, were, were really disjointed. And then, yeah, and then the chance that we would have loved Saka to have taken was if that wasn't Ozil or a De Bruyne in that moment, that would be... You know, that, that would be a boomerang that people would be playing on on all the social media platforms. It's a fine run and pass, that. And that was that technical bit of quality that I questioned whether he had it or not. So, yeah, he had a, he had a really solid game. I thought Xhaka held his own when he had to roll his sleeves up a little bit after Pepe was dismissed. So some, some kudos to him there. Holding and Gabriel have kept clean sheets, playing their worst games of the season. So, yeah. I thought that was Gabriel's worst game in an Arsenal shirt, but he he kind of just wasn't completely on it with his distribution, but he just made sure he got his body in the way of everything he possibly could. Nuts and all. Yes, indeed there. He did so, get quite unfortunately cool. Uh, no, not anytime soon. He's going to be having a weekend off to celebrate the birth of a newborn. 
yes, yes. And uh, we learnt last week that the Queen was a fan, and this week Gabriel has had the crown jewels uh, somewhat uh, yes. splattered back inside himself. You know when you go and see the crown jewels? Yeah. You don't walk into a room and just look at them, not when you go to a museum. You actually get on like a travelator conveyor belt and you're taken past it. So it's almost like you're on the reverse of the generation game. <laughs> the crown jewels, cuddly toy. Yeah. Toaster, tea's made. Yeah. No, a bit all, not, not quite bullseye. Uh, I do love a bit of bully. But uh, yeah, no, that, that was the crown jewel. Sorry, yeah, I decided to... Uh, yeah, I used to enjoy bully. Oh. Um, yeah, it was good. If you like a good tune, you'll be over the moon with this Philips tape cassette recorder. <laughs> Yeah, so negatives. There's quite a few, Yeah, in my opinion. I was really disheartened by Aubameyang's performance. He looked disinterested. He was really disengaged. And I was of the opinion where he might have come into this thing and just been really, really up for playing through the middle. He looked like he had a really good time away with Gavin in all of his Instagram stories, scoring, lots of smiles on the team bus. Even in the airport when they had to sit there for fucking hours, he sort of was the one rallying around them. And then he's come back and, yeah, it's just a, a rainy day in Leeds. It's just the last thing on his on his mind. I didn't know, you said before the show started, when we had a bit of a debrief, that William was substituted at half-time, according to Arteta. I didn't know he was. He had a wee knock. But, I thought, again, he was under the spotlight because he travelled to Dubai during lockdown for essential business in abbreviated commas. Was that a gold-plated steak? Well, he was in Nazareth with old Salt Bay himself, doing dropping the old, um, dropping the old salt flakes uh, like a swan over his dinner. So, I'm not sure whether that was essential business or not. But um, and look, like I said to you when we had a chat during the week, if they've done that in order to try and instill a little bit of like life into him and just give him a bit of family time, and it works, great. But if it doesn't, he's going to be further under the spot lamp. And now this game at Fulham seems fucking eternities ago. Because he has been absolute muck since. It was himself. Uh, Tony Adams has come out again today questioning Arsenal's recruitment, saying that the signing of Gabriel is inspired, the signing of Partey is inspired. But he looks at Willian and he's, he's, I think he's flagged up Ceballos as well as two players that he said, I don't even know why they, why they bought them. Didn't need them. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Tony has been someone who has said that how Arsenal have not registered Ozil is just completely baffling. If he, Now they've brought the player in party. Um, I think he refers to him like you do, the boy party. The boy party. And um, now you've brought someone who can do his dirty work, his leggy work, still got enough technical aptitude to drop it into him, into the lanes. You've really highlighted a player who can accentuate what Ozil can do. So here's my point, why I wanted to potentially revisit Ozil. So we are led to believe that... The reason why Ozil has not been picked in, in this roster, which will be reviewed in January, is due to footballing reasons only. There's no politics. There's nothing else. He's obviously got a good relationship with the club. He's continued to train in the first team. He's been photographed in the first team squad. Yes, yes. And um, if Willian continues his poor run of form up until January... Would you deregister uh, Willian and, and then now give Ozil six months until you can remove two further um, overseas players, who um, which then allow, obviously, the um, squads to um, comply with the Premier League numbers? Because if it's purely footballing reasons, now you're, you're now justifying that people play in six-month slots and the squad is, is, the squad is assessed 
And the worst players, when there's players of the quality of Mesut Ozil on his day, are in the wings, then someone could come out and someone could go in. Because it's now like a fucking roster or, or a draft, in similar to that of an American sports franchise. You know my opinion that I would re-register Ozil? Well, it depends on your, your alternatives and all of your reasons behind it. If it's just based on footballing reasons, then why not pick the squad that's got your best players? You know, I, I would probably suggest I wouldn't. I would look to sign someone to replace Willian in that instance that you said about deregistering him rather than bring Ozil in. Ozil's not played for a, probably nine a year by that point. You know, it, it would be ridiculous to, to think he could come in and make huge changes. Which is the same as someone coming back from injury, but yet he's actually been fit the entire time. So the speed coming back to match sharpness should be slightly quicker than that of someone who's actually trying to regain fitness and match sharpness. Yeah. So... Um, New signing would be preferable to me. I, I agree with you. I think... No, but the point is, is that it's because it needs to come out that it's a political issue and the continual man management of people in and around their contracts and conduct with Arsenal Football Club over the last 10 years has been a fucking shambles. And the people that I've spoken to um, just who've wanted to have conversations who are general football fans over the last 10 years, talking about Arsenal over the last 10 years, are all in agreement. They don't understand how a, a, a player that can attract a £40 million fee in his sleep in Aaron Ramsey's been able to leave on a free when he's in his prime of his contract. We've let so many players walk and, out and, the door. And Party is the example because he is the he is a player that's supposed to come in and, and replace Aaron Ramsey. Not identical players, but... He's a £45 million fee, and if you believe John Cross, he's on £10 million a year, right? So let's just say that John Cross is an idiot, right? And we just subst- and we just subtract idiot tax, and he's on £6.5 million a year, right? So over four years, that's £70 million, and it would have cost you forty to re-sign Ramsey. So that's a £30 million net gain, of which Arsenal Football Club actually desperately need in transfer windows because we don't have the free spending power of those around us. So far from it, no. Yeah, the deal around Alexis couldn't renegotiate his contract. Van Persie left to Man United. Again, held held us to the wall. Fabregas probably ended up holding us to the wall. Nasri definitely did. Like, Henri left for way under market value at the time he left the football club. I think Vieira did as well, did he not? Yeah. 16 million to Juventus, I believe. Henri was knocking around the 16 million mark. Henri was 16 million. That's just unbelievable. Legends of your club leaving for Tuppence Hapenny. Well, the same money that, you know, that quite a few players had been signed for years ago, so inflation hadn't actually been attached. This is what I mean. I think the highest a player has left Arsenal for is 35 million. Which is actually Alex Awobi. Or, or, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was a fee of the same amount, I believe. Yeah, that's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then when you think of the players that have left... We've let a lot of players scarper out the back door for negligible fees. But so many of our legends, I think the most expensive of our what we would deem our legends to have left for is Van Persie, left for £20 million to Man United. That's the most expensive what legend status sale we've had. Just ridiculous. When people, when Van Persie went on and won a league title and Henri went on and won multiple um, honours. Honours. Accolades. Yeah, so, you know, but that, that, that just brings us back around that point. But the Leeds game was, for me, taking away the, um, you know, the rose-tinted glasses over the 40 minutes with 10 men. 
was an extension of the. That was bad watching that. I, I was, I really, I was, you know, I must admit, I was watching that game thinking, when Strictly coming on? <laughs> I was looking more forward to seeing Caroline Quentin dance to Cha Cha than I was watching Arsenal play. And because they just weren't the Arsenal that I love. Mm. And it hurts when they're like that. I don't, you know, they get beat. You go to clubs, when they, we got beat by Liverpool, when we got beat by City, you know, that was bad. And I obviously was upset at us losing. But when you draw in such a damp squib, and I know we had a, we were down to 10 men and we could rush glory about that. But did going down to 10 men really change that result? Are we winning that game with 10 men, on the, with 11 men on the pitch? Um, You know? No, I don't believe we were. We might have actually tried to play out a little bit more, which which would have exposed us slightly more, which arguably could have left to a more clear-cut chance for Leeds to take. You know, exactly. I, I think we ended up defending really, really, really deep in the end, now that we're down to 10. Our best chance fell to Saka. Yeah, which was on the counter. Which he wouldn't have been on the pitch, potentially at that moment in time, in that way, shape or form, because obviously he came off a of Willock who that was a sacrificial substitution for Yeah, but he Pepe. came on for Willock to play left side, where William was playing. So, look, I, I still believe that chance could have fell to him, but we were playing on the counter and just trying to defend, not conceding. So he still he didn't try and still go on and just leave a little bit of um, a little bit of an overlap. He he just he still applied two banks of four and then just squeezed mm. and squeezed the one. But uh, yeah, you know. Bob, the point I was going to make is that that game for me was no... Even under a new formation, uh, players what we perceive to be in their right position. No party, obviously, but he's not been at the club long enough to have a proper effect on the team yet. It, it was an extension of the Villa game. There was nothing different. It was still bland. It was flat. The actual technical... Passing and movement between the players is absolutely non-existent. There is no running off the ball or stretching of the play. And a, a friend of mine sent me a tweet, and it was it was really really interesting reading actually. And I hadn't paid attention to it, but he's a dear old boy, my um, my friend Sean. And he said to me, "Mate, if you watch it, the fact that there's no fans in the crowd actually just." Highly emphasises how regimented and orchestrated this team is under Arteta because he is on the touchline and telling people what to do literally second by second. You know, it is a minute-by-minute orchestration. You know, he is narrating the play, per se. It's almost like Will Ferrell in that film, Kicking and Screaming. (laughs) Yeah, and when I actually watched um, the game back the second time and muted the... um, well, I didn't mute the sound, but I just tried to watch watch the um, the game with very low commentary, and, and just watch when the the um, camera takes a glimpse of an image of Arteta. He's absolutely spot on, and the only team that I can fathom some kind of similarity to with, with a team that did that was Van Gaal's Man United, and they really, really, really suffered having really regimented sort of segments of pitches that they were able to sort of jolt into and out of. Sort of football by numbers, and if you don't follow the rules... That's... Yeah, and it and it's it's to govern defensive frailties, but makes no 
allowances for um, skill and, uh, and and technical nous. You know, there's no there's no impact element to it. And um, yeah, I mean, you were going to take a look at some of the stats of the game, right, and just really highlight on paper what it actually looked like. Well, there was some. There was of the obvious stats, obviously the leads have outpossessed us and things like that. But one of the ones that I found was quite alarming was our pass completion, 70%. Right. So 70% completion of passes when our season's average is around 85%. So we're coming in a full 15% under what our pass completion ratio is. I'm, mm. You know, shots on target, shots on goal, they are forming uh, an all-too-worrying trend for this season. That's sort of falling suit every single game. You know, I'm not even sure that the, t- the people that do the stats don't just refresh the screen mm. from the previous game. So that was an alarming stat there. Uh, being 60-30 to Leeds or 66-30-34 to Leeds, I think for a team like Arsenal, we should be getting a higher percentage than that even away from home. We did better than that against Man City. You know, we've done better than it against Liverpool earlier on in the season, playing what you would say a higher quality side. Yes, we were down to 10 men. So, you know, you've got one less player on the pitch. There's always going to be one player free. So you can add for that. You know, we're now 12th in the league with one win in the last five. No goals in open play since October the 4th. So we haven't actually scored in open play, have we, since party signed? Correct. You know, I'm not including injury time here, but if you look at match time, that's 476 minutes. The last time we scored in open play was the 64th minute against Sheffield United. Which was? Which was Nicola Pepe. Okay, which moves us on to Nicola Pepe. Yeah, now, Mm. I'm upset. (laughs) You know, I'm upset because we have campaigned for this lad to get a start. and And he really has let himself down. He really has, you know... I understand, we understand he wants to do well. We want him to do well. We know he's wanted to play. We know he's unhappy of late. But this is not how to get back in the team. Jönberg said it beautiful. His comments ring out no truer word. You know, and I quote from his Sky Sports punditry. By the way, he was a phenomenal pundit. He was good. Yeah. He was good. I, I am a ma- I love Freddie Jönberg. I enjoy him. You know, not from, you know, when he had his red hair, when he, when he scored... That run of brilliant form back in the O2 season. It shows the true beauty of a man, though, when they don uh, a head of hair like that and model, and then they lose all their hair and they're still an Adonis of their trade. He's a he's a beautiful man. He is. You know, but he commented, he goes, and this is brilliant, he goes, he stops his own progress with his own behaviour. He goes on to continue. I thought this would be a very good game for Pepe. Leeds play man against man. He would get isolated with his left back and then he can do him. I agree. I thought it was going to be his chance. We campaigned, campaigned, campaigned. We campaigned for him to play. We campaigned for Aubameyang to play through the middle. And I think they both let us down. Obviously, Pepe with much more vigour. You know, Arteta Mm. commented... With 10 minutes, a big disadvantage. I really like the personality of the team. When Pepe let the team down, the own manager uses the word when Pepe let the team down. You know, he's been, he's not going to be treated nicely come Monday morning now. He's going to be ripped apart. Yes, he's taken to social media to apologise, but I'm sorry. You know, fair play to him. I mean, my, my, I was trying to, um, 
not justify his actions. You know, Sky highlighted some hustle and bustle and some off the ball, and he was having a um, uh, he's having a good wrestle with Alioski throughout the game. You know, which is what you like to see in competitive contact sport. And I just I just can't help but think that if we're one nil up or two nil up, and we're creating frequently, and we're just we're just giving them a problem every time we break. There's just no time for the shithousery. But we've gone there, they're thinking this is going to be a tough day out, and they're absolutely having it away. And Pepe's not really had a chance all game to do what he probably likes to do, nor is a Bamiang. They're just chasing dead balls and trying to run a front line without really pressing. And then someone's just continued to go in at his ear and do what you what they do in England. And... Uh, yeah, and he just can't hold his tongue. But I think if he's already on the score sheet and things like that, or if he's already set a goal up, or if he's already had a chance, or if we're already winning, he just does the right thing. He's having a better day, he doesn't do that. You know what? You know, this is the thing that really gets me. You know, he's not really headbutted the bloke. He's just pressed, he's caressed foreheads with Alioski. Alioski goes down. Alioski, though, has not... When a player does that, it's very natural for them to put heads together, and it's a bit like a, it's a bit like Rams in a field in the Isle of Wight, you know, just sizing. One Rams in the, the field <laughs> in the Isle of Wight. Okay, I understand Rams in the field butting heads, but your Isle of Wight context. I'm gonna get do you know? Come on, tweet us in. No, I, Have I, you I seen Rams can, in Isle of Wight? Yes, Isle I of can. Wight Rams. I went there as a as a young schoolboy on a field trip in year five and year six. We were. Uh, we went to the Isle of Wight and it was where I first saw Rams push heads. So it was a fond memory for me as a 10-year-old. For rice cake. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, so he's... he's <laughs> <laughs> he has... Um, Alioski's just got no intention of putting his head to his and he's like, I'm going anyway. And he does. And it is the mildest of mild headbutts, but it is a headbutt. And he gets sent off for it immediately. Va- using using a VAR, there was no and I have no, there's no defence for it. If it was if if that, why did he just kick him? If that action was on an Arsenal player, you would call hundred percent for a red card immediately. Henceforth, yeah. So yeah, why did he just kick him? That's what that's the thing that really cheese me off. Do you know what people keep saying? This I watched some other um, uh, media guys do their reviews of the game just to get a rounded opinion. They're like, "If you're gonna do it, mate, do it properly and what? And get fucking done for assault and like and." Duncan Ferguson did time, but then he broke a player's face. So you know, I'm just sort of thinking. He actually headbutted a broke, but and broke their face. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? It's the best thing. He is my favourite story of all time. Obviously, he got broken into. His house was broken into. When he was in, uh, when he was his first visit in first uh, tenure at Everton, and he came down and caught the blokes, and obviously they left uh, not in the blue lights that they thought they'd leave in, but they left in an ambulance because he beat him up. <laughs> and then again, once he'd been to Newcastle and come back to Everton, somebody broke into his house again, and again the same thing happened. Now I've got a feeling that what they did when they broke into his house, they go around with their torchlight, they flick onto the lamp, the, the mantelpiece, see the picture of Duncan and his family. And at that moment, they're trying to get out of the house. <laughs> and then he catches them. Yeah. But yeah, he did that. He, you know, fair play to the bloke. Well, if someone breaks into your house, you self-defence, isn't it? You're entitled Especially to Especially if you've got a wife and kids and stuff. But no, I mean, I'm not but, saying that... 
I don't think that he should have done a Zidane and properly headbutted him or anything, but... The but that's what is, people are saying. Oh, Zidane did it properly. Well, he knew it was the last game of his career. It's almost like he wants to be remembered by it. It's almost genius. He's still spoken about years, years, years for afterwards. For this actual thing. And, but... Yeah, you know, so you can't you can't condone if if he properly splits the bloke's nose or whatever. Do you know what I mean? He goes to the FA and you know five, six, seven matches and some and a fine and all the rest of it. And I think though, I think my point is that that little caressing of eyebrows has cost him a three match ban. Whereas he could have probably you know gone in a bit hard on the bloke, you know, to be pissed off with him and actually done that. And probably not, probably not even got a booking for it. <laughs> you know, I just think that it's such a waste to get sent off for something so ridiculous as that. Mm. It's the ridiculousness of that sending off that hurts me more than the sending off. You know, I don't suggest you should go around beating people because that's not what you want. But get a run for your money. Don't be so foolish I'd... as to get conned yeah, by I, that sort of sending off I, I don't think it's naturally in the mindset of, of those like attacking players it's just one of those things where yeah it's, 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 it is inexcusable I think suggest, people suggested that we should sell him in January his career's over it's like fucking hell how many times has Vieira sent off for Arsenal do you know what I mean he did it yeah and was it Petit that actually got sent off for, for touching the, the uh, Paul Durkin the yeah. referee he got I sent mean, off so I mean if the frustration against Pepe from the Arsenal fan base is utterly justified. But the abuse, both racially and non-racially, that he has received is utterly, utterly disgraceful. No, ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And, yeah, it's, it's such an overreaction. But it's because of the time and the place the team are in. And, and you know, and emotions are seriously high at Arsenal at the moment. Call him a James Blunt. But don't, <laughs> don't be disgusting and say those slurs that have been used. I mean, the FA chairman had to resign for being inappropriate with mm. his language. Yeah. Yet this is just downright disgustingness. There is no place for it in any form of society. And I don't approve of that, by the way, with my smirk. It's just the use of the word disgustingness. It's, yeah. I don't even know it's a word. But no, I'm, I'm furious about that. You know, I am yeah, it's, utterly it's frustrated. I'm, I'm, I feel let down by him. Not let down by, you know, he's probably contributed to a, a lack of points, potentially. He's now been. He's now suspended for the next three games, three important games. Well, they're three quite big games, aren't they, as well? Uh, and I just think to myself, he's also missed his chance. We wanted him to have a run of ten games in the team. He's now massively missed his chance to do that. And whether he gets back in the team or not, now, I don't think he should be sold. He's no, too it's, good it's a madness. player. Madness. People are saying loan him out. Like loan him to fucking who? I mean, it's. It's such an overreaction. Let's just be honest. Not only did he score our last goal from open play, he set up the one before it. <laughs> so yeah. that's, you know, if you really want to look at it in the league, no goals from open play, well, that would then go back to the West Ham game. Yeah. You know, let's let's not beat about the bush. The bloke has a future at Arsenal. He is what I would call an Arsenal type of player, that flair player. Mm. We just need to make him work. You know, I, I would say the same for Abamyang. Abamyang was, you know, he didn't headbutt anyone and get sent off. 
that he may as well have been sent off because he it wouldn't, wasn't visually present. But, but if, if, if it was a Bamyang who did it, yeah, it's because, you know, he's got credit on account, right? So it, it, this tirade of nonsense just wouldn't have happened. But, you know, we spoke about it. Pepe, in my opinion, has got credit on account. He's contributing a goal or an assist every 148 minutes or something. He's, but he's now playing in a side that cannot create fuck all. You know, we, we look woeful going forward. If they played Monopoly, they wouldn't get a chance. No. <laughs> yeah, just due to some sort of, like, you know, new Monopoly rule where we don't get money when we pass go or something. You so. might get Community Chest, <laughs> a.k.a. Katie Price. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it is, it is disappointing, but it's, it's papered over a crack for Arteta. It's bought, it, bought him, it bought him 40 minutes and, 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 and another poor result. What next for Pepe? He trains hard, he plays in the Europa League, he tries to restore some form, he tells his manager that he won't do it again, and he pulls his socks up and gets ready to play um, a strenuous Christmas period. That's it. I I couldn't agree more with you. That moves us on to the Christmas period. So obviously today, big news, able to see families at Christmas. How many men, when that news come out, were like, what, you mean I've got to see the mother-in-law now? There is men all around the country disappointed with these news. What? The mother-in-law's coming. That's another mouth to feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm already working out a way to you avoid can't, it. You can't, invite your, you can't invite your granddad. He always eats all the Yorkshire puddings. It's just like, there's so many arguments where people just thought, I'm going to gorge. I'm still going to buy the same amount of food for the four of us. The children eat nothing. They'll probably have a few blanketless pigs and I will eat blanketless pigs what is do you mean a sausage yes (laughs) (laughs) but they're only pigs in blankets aren't they (laughs) my children don't eat the blanket so I'm just left with lots of lovely crispy um, nude pigs yeah no blankets all of the pigs are are, are gone do you have a blanket sandwich Oh, I could do that. Is it called a blanket sandwich or is it a, just a bacon sandwich? Yeah, but it's not because it's now been curled, hasn't it? It somewhat re- resembles the well, shape of a quaver. So, you know, I, I love a pig in blanket. Oh, phenomenal. Really good. Do you go for the small sausage with your pig in blanket or do you like a more lengthier chipolata wrapped in bacon? No, who, who has small sausages? That's, it's got to be the length of that of a standard sausage, but in chipolata form. Like a finger. Yes, well, slightly larger. Well, okay. And um, I've got small hands. I'm like Donald Trump. And <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and that have a good. I like you know if you can get a good pancetta or something like that. Do you skin your sausage before you wrap the bacon around it? That's skin the sausage. Yeah, skin the sausage. Yeah. What is it like? T- de-skin. De remove the skin, the no. sausage casing, <laughs> and then wrap the bacon around it. That's how it should be done. No, that's nonsense. It's not nonsense, but we'll move on. So, yes, so it is a month until Christmas, you know, a month until Christmas Eve, and it's also coming up to a year since Emery left. Yes. You know, Christmas is the hardest part of the year. So many games in such a short space of time. I think the next few games are really going to shape our season and lead us into that Christmas point. We're even going to have an appalling Christmas. We're going to have a Christmas like a turkey this year, I think. I really am not looking forward to the next next month and beyond, you know. Uh, 2020 can can end now, I think, as far as I'm really looking forward to it. So, 
let's start with our next game. That's Mulder. So we have then three games in the Europa League. Mulder yep. away, Vienna at home, Dundalk away. Yeah. I think the importance of us playing such good, dominant football in those games is so important. It's well, I think it's, I think it's important to beat... If we beat Mulder on Thursday, then we, are, we categorically go through, um, through the group. And then I think it's equally important to try and win the next two games. But I think then it's time to try and have a look at Balogun, Moller, the young lad, Charlie... Um, the boy Patino. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. the boy. Have, have a look at him. Again, this is so frustrating. This is this is 180 minutes post Mulder if we win, where it just gives Saliba a licence to play. and yeah. um, But we can't. So oh, We can play in the Europa League. No, he's not registered. No, he can't. That's why he wasn't registered. He's in the he can, he's in the Premier League squad. He's eligible to play in the Premier League, but he's not registered yeah. in the Europa uh, League. Runnison has to play, I think. Um, 100%. Just in case Leno gets an injury. He has to be... Well, when they've got to protect them, and, they need, and they've got to find someone to... Kolasinac should play up until Christmas to put himself in the shop window, and they've got to protect Tierney as well. I just, I'm really worried about him playing. I don't want to see Tierney play, and I, I don't want to see Saka play on Thursday nights now. Oh, no, I think... I want yeah. them wrapped up in cotton wool for... Yeah, he should carry on playing Willock. I think Ceballos got better playing a bit of time on Thursdays. He needs to play. Yeah, it'd be good to... Good. Uh, Pepe has to play... 90 minutes in all of those games if he's going to continue using him because he'll get him fit. And do you know what? I think he should play a Bamiyang in one of the games and just get and find him a goal. I think potentially, if you want to look at it, the importance of playing him then uh, this week. Yes. It's an earlier kickoff, so 5.55. Yeah. Uh, so you could go there, play the game, come back, be rested to play Wolves on the weekend. This is a 7-15 game on Well, if, if they night. choose not to play him this Thursday, then I certainly would give him some time against Vienna at home to try and find a goal ahead of the Spurs game. You would. Okay. I, You know, I think he does need to play and I think we need to exert some dominance, play some good football. That front, I mentioned it a pod or two ago about we have got into a period now under Arteta where every single one of our front players is out of form and they now are all... Definitely out of form. Totally out of form. Not even anywhere near form. And you're coming into a run of games now where we've got Spurs, Chelsea and City before Christmas, I believe. Yes. And someone in that team needs to have just a spark about them. Otherwise, we are going to go into the new year in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, we are. You know, we're in bad nick at the moment. So Wolves on Sunday is... But Bob, as cricket fans, when you're in bad nick, you net hard. So use the Europa as a launch pad to take your form into the Premier League. 100%. Wolves, biggest, this is the epitome of a must-win game. A six-pointer, it's, it's a game that holds... It's a game that holds so much importance for everything that follows it. It's so important for us to get a result. I'm going to say now... And I'm happy to back it up in the predictions when we do them. But I'm going to say that I think we'll take one point in our next in our next two league games. Let's do the predictions in a minute. Uh, <sighs> then we've got Spurs away. That is a fright. I'm I am absolutely petrified. About yeah, that. my nappy is full. Um, in in retrospect of I I think they, there is potential because not only is it Spurs, it's Mourinho. Mm-hmm. And he actually adored beating Arsenal with whoever he's in charge of. He, I think they, there is potential for us to look stupid there. 
yeah, we'll cover Spurs next week, no doubt. But um, the fact that they could possibly have fans back in the ground as well oh, for that, that adds a, such a sourness to it. Um, yeah, oh, I don't want to think about that. Um, League Cup versus City. Now, the League Cup doesn't get you Europa League now. Hmm. If you win the League Cup, it gets you into the Europa Conference League, which is a third tier. It starts next season. It's the one below the Europa League. It's literally everything you... If you're a team, like what Arsenal should be reckoning on, that wishes to contest at the top table, it is something that you do not wish to have on your record. You would rather not play in Europe than play... In that so are they are they suggesting then where in the league table in the Premier League would you finish in order to qualify for that? I think it's like sixth or seventh, depending on what the cup results are. Right. Oof. Yeah, I I am. You know, the next few weeks, and but that leads us into Christmas. You know, Christmas you've got on the fifteenth, uh, and so the nineteenth you've got Everton. Uh, or something like that, yeah, it is around about the 19th. You've got another game just before that, Southampton, that's bounded around that time. Yeah. You've then got Chelsea. You've got such a big... Burnley's in there as well. Burnley's an incredibly important game. If we don't go out and spank them three, four days later when we play Chelsea... Yeah, December is, right, so after the Wolves game, Vienna at home on a Thursday evening, by the way, of which Spurs get an extra day rest because at the moment we're supposed to play Spurs and a three o'clock on Saturday. That must, that fixture must They play Thursday nights as well. Of course. So Vienna Thursday, then Spurs on the 5th, then Dundalk on the 10th, then, then Burnley on the 12th, then Southampton on the 15th, then Everton on the 19th, then City in the Carabao Cup on the 22nd, then Chelsea on Boxing Day, Brighton on the 28th and then West Brom on uh, the day after New Year's Day. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we could, I mean, well. The way we're playing, I'm not so much worried about going to places like Spurs and Chelsea. Because the way we're playing, I'm worried about us dropping the points we need to be winning. The Southamptons, the Burnleys, the West Broms. Why do you say that? The way we're playing, you don't. You're not worried about us going to teams like Spurs and Chelsea. Spurs, because Spurs have devoured top sides who are better, who are better well than we are. Yeah, but that means if we were playing well, we could go to the. We, we got beat by Chelsea last season at Christmas. You know, we got mugged off for Jorginho being should have been sent off, and didn't we lost two one after yeah. being one up. So we could go to these games. We lost the Spurs back in the summer, July the twelfth. We can go to these teams and get beat anyhow. So when you look at past scores... I don't think you can make allowances for it. I'm not making allowances, but I'm I'm more worried that, you know, you've got, say, 15 points there. You know, two of them, six of them points are hard and they'll be tough points to win. Yeah. But the other nine should be in our back pocket with our Satsumas, our Terry's Chocolate Orange and our nuts in our stocking ready to be unwrapped. And I don't think we're going to... I don't think we're playing well enough to guarantee those nine points. And that's my worry that you're going to come in and not even have your basic before you can start pushing for the better results. Where do we get to at Christmas when the CEO, Vinay, and is talking with the Cronkies, and he's like, do we need to pull Mikel in here for a discussion? Well, that's been talked about, isn't it? There was someone I heard in the media today that, you know, Arsenal chief shouldn't rush to sack Arteta. And all of that. Well, I don't know. Have we improved since Emery? It's coming up to a year since he left. 
No, we we haven't, in my opinion. Um, and Emery Emery didn't improve um, Arsenal from Wenger, and so many people campaigned Wenger out, and we 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 have gone backwards since Wenger spending nigh on three hundred million pound, and we just continue to freefall. You know, last season after nine games we had fifteen points. This season we've got twelve. Last season after nine games we had a hundred. And 17 shots. This season, we've got 82. We had 42 on target. This season, we've got 30. We'd scored 13. This season, we'd scored nine. We had conceded 12. So, you know... This season, we've... We've seen 10. So our our goal difference was positive two over the current position. Yeah, we were averaging 13 shots per game after nine goals last season. But have you got stats like moving forward? Where were we under Emery after 15 games? Well, he got sacked last season after 13. At this point? 13 games, because obviously the season starts slightly earlier, so he played 13 before he got sacked. So after nine games... He had 15 points. After nine games, he was... He had 15 points. After 13 games, he'd only got... Uh, sorry, after nine games, he had 15. After 13, he'd only amassed 18 points. Right. So he'd only got... That's that's where he got sacked. His run of form yeah. from nine to 13 was dreadful. So he won one and, and lost three. Yeah, he's... You know, he had scored 18... 13 goals after nine. He'd scored 18 goals after 13. What? He'd, so he scored another five goals? Yeah, and he conceded another. He conceded another seven. He he scored five, conceded seven. So that's just that, yeah. I mean, you know, we're just looking at last over, season over four games. So it's only yeah. two goals. He must have drawn three and he drew, lost one. He did he? Yeah, one all. Uh, there was Wolves. Uh, we drew against Watford in there. There was lots of drop uh, oh. draw. But the new. I'm going to just look at the other parts I've done. I've done some working on stats. So uh, the, after nine games last season, we were projected to score about 55 goals. Now we're looking at only scoring, what, 38 goals this season? Hmm. Basically, we're not going to score 38 goals. But when you look at numbers, it's healthy. I don't, I don't understand why. So you, we were projected to score 55. What did that team actually score? I think you said it was 54. We were projected to score 55. We ended up scoring 56. Right, okay. So, okay, projection was, you know, this is why I do them. This is the coup, you know, you have to back it up by what actually happened. You know, we were projected last season after nine games to score to have 494 points. When Emery was Pardon? sacked, 400... sorry, 494 shots. <laughs> sorry, I thought I didn't slip. So, yeah, I went after nine games last season. We, we project ourselves based on shots per game, based on 38 games in a season, to have 494. This season, we're looking at 346 shots over the season. 346? You know, when Emery was sacked... It's like... And this is a telling thing. From the time when Emery was sacked, so so after nine games, four games later, that average dropped, or that projection dropped to 474. By the time Arteta's finished the season, it ends on 406. So... Are we seeing a trend there with our shots and chance creations dropping as a result of the Arteta influence? I mean, you know, the the Emery team, Arteta's changed quite considerably. He's retained Leno. Bellerin was a Wenger player. Louise was an Emery player. But he's using Holding. Gabriel's his own signing. Yeah, he's using Tierney. 
then Sabios he brought in, right? Um, or um, Sabios is an Emery player, Emery really? Player, yeah, yeah. But he's extended him, hasn't he? He's given him another bite, yeah. Yeah, part, so he, part he signed, of he yeah. signed. Willock was a um, uh, Jack was a Wenger, um, a Wenger signing. Willock was a squad player. Then Pepe was a uh, you know an Emery signing, but arguably he's not actually using him. He's he's more using Abamyang and uh, Lacazette, which are both Wenger players, and William, which is his own player. So it's more Mikel's team than it is Emery's team. Looking at that. And he's let go of players <coughs> who who Arsenal fans probably like weren't all completely convinced that they thought that their careers were done there. Obviously the way in which Guendouzi handled himself, he hasn't liked him. But you know, that that midfield is missing a bit of Guendouzi now, really. Yeah, I hate um, to say he is, yeah. You know, he's moved Terrera on. I mean, I'm I'm quite shocked by that. Because I thought Terrera, if Atletico Madrid were saying we envisaged a three where Torreira plays with party. Like, why the fuck aren't we envisaging that? If we're always going to activate his release clause, then you can play him with him. And then if you've got Torreira and a party, you really can allow an Ozil or a number 10 to have a free reign and just create and just trot around and have a free roll. Because you've got two... We've got Jack Russell-styled box-to-box player, and then you've got a harder-hitting box-to-box uh, defensive-minded uh, um, midfielder. I think I think the reason why they've let Torreira go is you're looking at the the allocations of foreign players in the team, and I think they honestly thought they were going to sign. But if they needed to get away. aggressive, they could have released people from their contracts. Socrates, they could have just terminated his contract, paid it up. I mean, he, essentially, he's never going to play for Arsenal again, which is what he wanted to well, do. They played for the under twenty threes last week, and he's yeah. come out and been quite brilliant about that. You know, one thing I will say, I, did, I have just slated Arteta for the drop-in shots there. Mm. But points per game when Emery was getting sacked, we were averaging 1.4. We were averaging 1.5 by the end of the season. So he has improved that. But this season, we're averaging 1.3 points per game. Yeah. You know, if we but continue... You say he's improved in that, that. He's improved it by 0.1, which over the course of 38 games is nominal. So he didn't right? have the full 25 following that, but in 25 games, he's increased it. You know, he's also won a trophy in that. And I think this is a a telling difference. Two trophies. This is a telling difference if you want to compare them. Emery had an Arsenal side that finished fifth in the league. Mm -hmm. Took them to the Europa Europa League League final and got utterly destroyed by Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Arteta takes an Arsenal team that finishes eighth in the league behind a Chelsea that finished third. Mm -hmm. Takes them to the FA Cup final. And beats them. And I think that is a that is a comparable thing to look at. Same team you went and played. Importance of that game is very high stakes. One manager's team capitulated. One manager's team rose to the occasion. You know, and you've got to remember he's beaten City in the semi-final. He beat Liverpool in the league, albeit they already won the league by that point and lost the game. So he's done that. You know, I, I think that you, it's hard to slate Arteta. So it's, it, you shouldn't be calling for him to have that discussion now. But I think if we get to Christmas and the numbers, you know, results might not go away. You know, we might lose against teams, but it's how you go out and lose to these teams. I, I think the way we lost against Man City and the way we lost against Liverpool were better performances than the draw against Leeds and definitely the loss against uh, Villa. We, we, I think our football has gradually got worse since the FA Cup final. The way he finished last season and 
the the even the um, community shield was a good account of the team. There were signs in that team where pe- where fans were starting to get quite upbeat, and he started playing football through the channels against Fulham. And it's just gradually declined. Well, the first game of the season, I've never been more excited to go and watch an Arsenal match in the pub, ever. Yeah. I was so excited. I even booked the table to go and make sure I had a table for him. Mm. And I think maybe he's got a bit, I don't want to use the word cocky, but complacent potentially. Because he's got a lot of, well, Arteta's tactics are clearly working here. Mm. A lot of high support and a lot of quite fine regards from... Uh, fellow professionals and the media. And maybe there's an element of complacency that his way is the way. Maybe someone needs to put an arm around and say, Mikel, you know, you win a game by scoring more goals than the opposition. And that's the only way you can win a game. You've only got to look at, like, you know, someone like Aubameyang, his record in the Arsenal team under Wenger, under Emery. And then if you looked at his record now under Arteta, it would fall through the floor. As would Lacazette's, no doubt. I mean, if you just look at a lot of things... I just can't... My biggest issue, Bob, is I cannot remember an Arsenal team any time, like literally ever. Like I cannot remember a team after nine games we've only scored nine goals and not actually looked like scoring goals. We we don't... Defensively, there's no doubt... He, the signing of Gabriel was was immense. That Tierney looks a, tr- a proper proper player, and those that have said no 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 he'll be a future Arsenal captain, maybe he will. The point I just made was the fact that people say he will definitely be Arsenal captain, and I think it's just because he wears short sleeve, he's Scottish, and he carries a um, a carrier bag. People just think he's a hard nut. There was a picture of him getting on the plane today in a short sleeve shirt. Oh, summer every day for Kieran. I, I'm a massive Kieran Tierney fan. He's brilliant, but I, I just want to let's not. Arsenal Football Club tweet about players wearing T-shirts when, you know, it's fiddling why Rome burns, isn't it? You know, it's it's like Nero. So, uh, you know, yeah. let's look at this this season. He, he, he's got a back five now who can do, who, who, who can hold their own against just about most opposition. Fair play. Well done for conducting that. But I would be absolutely overrun in training about drilling or not even drilling, just be like flare, 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 flare. Three clean sheets all season out of nine games. Yeah. Four wins out of nine games. Four defeats out of nine games. Yeah. Now let's look at that. If you are not attacking a team, if you're not creating chances, what, by virtue of not doing either of those things, you are encouraging your opposition to attack you. Mm-hmm. If your opposition attacks you more than you attack your opposition, they will score more goals than you, How, no matter how good your defence is, because you're giving them more chance. You know, and that's the, that will come, that we will fall foul of this. We will fall foul of this, irrelevant of how sturdy he's got that back for, because the captain of the Titanic, if he, if he can't go down with a sticky plaster and keep that boat floating, sorry, mm. you hit the iceberg, you go down. And that's what will happen with Arsenal. We will keep hitting icebergs. We will keep sinking. Uh, is Arsenal's form a concern for us to think that we're in a relegation battle? No, because we're going to be better than those teams. We will. They will be poorer. We might be, sorry, we're not going to be better than them. I think they'll be poorer than us. That said, do you want to look at some form here? Based on the first four games of this season, we were only getting 7.5 shots a game, but we were getting 4.25 of those on target. We were goals per game was averaging at two goals a game, uh-huh. and our conceding per game was one point two five. So we were still 
dropping that. Our projected goals and points is quite interestingly based on the first four games. We're looking at scoring 76 goals. Okay. Arsenal scoring 76 goals is an Arsenal season. Um, it's, it's slightly above average in the last five years, but it's, but not, it's, but it's not unheard of. With the firepower that we have, you would suspect... It's two goal a game average. Yeah. Yeah. If I mean, we're looking at conceding 48, but our points we were looking at 76. Obviously, that's inflated. But let's look at the last five games. The last five games make very sour reading. So firstly, it's looking at getting 50 points. Based on the last five games, we're actually only looking at 30 points. So you ask about a relegation form. Our last five games are undoubtedly relegation form. Okay. Based on the last five games, they're undoubtedly relegation form. Our total season is 50 points. That won't see you go down. Mm. We're only looking at our last five games. If we if we carried on playing like our last five games, that's only going to give us seven point six goals a season. That's ten times less than what we would have based on our first four. So you could say our first four games were ten times better than our last five games, and that includes a win at Man United. Yes, it does. No goals in open play. Mm. Don't get a penalty. But look. Things. In the words of D-Ream, things can only get better. Right. Fans back at the stadium. Yes! How interesting. So it was announced that we're going to be able to, based on Tier 1 or Tier 2, have fans back in the stadium. 50% of the attendance or... Up to. Or up to 4,000. Whichever's lower, they said. Yeah. All right, let's rattle through this because um, I want to hear your rant of the week, actually. So... That means that based on the tiering, tier three, no fans. Tier two, 2,000 fans. Tier one, 4,000 fans. How fair is it when you look at the season as a whole that some teams will be allowed to have fans in their ground, some matches won't? Yeah. As you travel throughout the season. Is, do you mean, is that fair just in general? Is it just in general fair? But if, high, if, if COVID is high in certain areas, then certain areas need to respect the regulations of that area. That's the same as when some areas could go to the gym and some areas were sitting at home watching people go to the gym. So, yeah, it's just, unfortunately, that is just the um, the tiering structure. We've been used to it now for months, so I'm, I'm all right with that. Will that be a mixture of home and away fans or will we just have home fans? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the governor of the no, but what, do you, what would you expect to see? I assume it will only be home fans because you are potentially bringing people out of a tiered area into another tiered area. Well, that aren't, you know, there's so many questions here that, that have to be asked. And then I have this one. Money talks. Money talks. Arsenal have a att- capacity of 60,260. 60, mm-hmm. And you only allow 4,000 based on a tier one. Is it economical to hold a game with 4,000 fans? I don't know, again, how they govern it, how much security they need. They might be able to utilise flexi furlough, so they only have to bring some staff on and just pay them for the actual day's work. Whether they open concessions in order so that people can buy a drink and and, a, and a food. I, mate, I have, I have not a fucking clue. And I won't be going to... Um, the game. This is an interesting think. one because I, I just, I just, I won't, I won't travel if I can't go with a friend or take my kid or, or whatever. So, you know, and and it's just the atmosphere. It's not an atmosphere that I pretend, I personally want to subject myself to because if you've got four thousand people in a sixty thousand seat stadium, it's going to rattle. That suggests that there will be eleven seats either side of you that are vacant. Spread out. Lie down. 
<laughs> you, you, would assume, you would assume that if that's the case, the stadiums that can would gap it to the maximum ability. Imagine if they squash 4,000 people into a corner or into a panel along the side, just basically just mixing all the bubbles up, right? But 56 over 1,000 people aren't allowed in the stadium. That'd it's ridiculous. It would be, be mind-blowing. Well, then, then the logic even gets better. I mean, you take Arsenal, 60,000 people, only now 4,000. Yeah. Or two thousand is probably more likely. Yes. Down the road at Leighton Orient, a capacity of nine thousand two hundred and seventy-one, they are allowed the same four thousand people in there because it doesn't meet the fifty percent threshold. So they're allowed four thousand people in there in nine thousand. How is that safe? How is that even feasible? So that will be someone one every two seats. This is where. I mean, I don't want to get political and number-busting on this because this is about football and mainly about Arsenal. But this is where I don't get it. You know, you can have 3,000 out of 6,000 capacities, which would be so much closer and so much more dangerous when it looks at COVID, whereas 60,000 people, you know? I understand, obviously, what it's going to do round the ground, but it's just a putting their finger in the air. I can't believe I actually licked my finger to <laughs> emphasise that point. But they're putting their finger in the air and they're just guessing things. Put a bit more logic. Do some stats. They say they're guided by the numbers. Where is 4,000 guided? But the clubs the clubs must have come back and said, like, you know, what you're proposing, let us just run the data to see whether or not it actually makes this balance sheet negative based on us having two or 4,000 people. Do you think every here. club's going to do it? I don't know. I, 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 honestly, I don't know. I tell you, some clubs that will do it. I tell you, some. I, I tell you, there'd be uproar if they don't, because I, I understand that people are still paying for their season tickets. So it's about actually how they select the retrospective season ticket holders, so that they think that they're giving the allowances in a fair, in, in a fair way. You know. So I don't know. I, I don't know. And I'm. I, yeah. It's, I've looked at something. You know me. I like a number. You do. So if you look at Arsenal, mm-hmm. if we're in tier one and we're allowed 4,000 people, that makes up 6.64% of our capacity. Mm-hmm. Based on our average attendance of last year, that makes 8.41% of our average attendance. If you go down the list, Burnley, based on those numbers, if they're allowed 4,000 people in, that makes up 25% of their average attendance. You know, and United gets worse. There's so many teams that have such low attendant percentages that will be allowed it. Mm. Whereas it benefits, if you've got a smaller ground, if you're a Fulham, for example, you know, you could be having 23% of what you would normally have in the in the ground. You know, it'd be a much noisier prospect for a, an away team. I think this, with fans being allowed back in the ground. Look at Wolves. Wolves, 31,700 stadium. It's actually 31,703 because you've got the ladies on the outside. <laughs> but i got to mention them. But their average attendance, <laughs> 25,000. So if they're allowed 4,000 4, people in Wolves, that's 16% of their average attendance. It's a much fuller ground for these teams. There'll be a lot of teams that with fans back in the stadiums will benefit from that. And I tell you what, it won't be those of the big stadiums. They will fall foul of it because when they go away, you know, when you go away to Palace and they've got 20% of a false ground there, of their average attendance, you will hear that more. 
I wonder if they'll get tactile. I wonder if they'll let them move at half-time. Put them behind the goal that your team are attacking and then move them at the other end. They can't do it. That would be, be, be cheating. Is it? Surely. Well, in a full stadium, it would normally have fans from uh, both your, both ends of the stadium. What about FA Cup? Mate, I, I, I can't get into this shit, honestly. Because <laughs> I, 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 I care very little about it. I, I think it's important, though, because fans can be back in the ground. No, I, I, I absolutely <coughs> want them to, but I think this is such a soft reimbursement of um, of putting putting people back into in, into football stadiums that until it's taken a bit more seriously, you know, because they've still allowed non-essential travel and that will actually be lifted on the 2nd of December. So um, you can expect that the, the mixing of people on public transport will, will naturally take its recourse. And around Christmas time, when people are looking to go to Winter Wonderland, do some shopping, Shut get up the street... But there you go. But but people will people will still head up to London to go to Selfridges and stuff like that. So there will be public transport and such the like used in the streets of I don't know if you've been down Bond Street or Oxford Street in the in, in recent weeks, but at busier times they're not administered. They're still they're still people just kind of, you know, walking down the street as you do normally on a normal on a normal Oxford Street down towards Marble Arch. So it's, it's, it's nonsense. The, the issue is about public houses and things like that and how they administer people outside of the ground. But then... Here's an interesting one for you. If you're in Tier 2, you go to the pub, If you, want, you, you have to be <laughs> eating a substantial meal to enable you What's to... What's a substantial out. meal? We'll come on to that in a minute. But what about if you go to... You're allowed to go to football. What's a substantial meal? What, uh, you had to eat to the point where I'm, 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 I'm bloated? Like, I've eaten No, so much. it's sort of like with a knife and fork. It's, a, knife, it's a proper meal. You can't go into a pub and order a portion of chips. You can eat a grape with a knife and fork. Can you? It's very uh-huh. talented. You can eat a, maybe a, a blanket from your pig in blanket with a knife and fork. Perfect. No, but that's the thing. So it's things like you can't go into a pub and order a sandwich. If you order a sandwich and chips... You could probably class that as a substantial meal and get your pint with it. You know the rules are there. You know they're, they're encouraging people to um, consume plenty of food, so that um, what's that? So now, now, now the the NHS will say that the uh, government are at fault for people going overweight. Yeah, but you know if you if you're going to a pub and you have to have a meal with your drink, the chances are you're probably going to have three pints and a and a burger and chips. Whereas normally you might go in and have a substantial more, you know, with your with your afternoon in the public house. But yeah, I, I'm, you know, I could talk about that all day, as you know, James. But yeah, I think we're going to come back to this and we're going to see our rules and regulations change. You're going to have some teams in level three, some teams in level two. You know, Manchester, was tri- Manchester and Liverpool were both level three. So there's like the your top echelons of clubs that are going to have no fans in the ground. Yet you can have your, your lesser, you know, Southampton... You know, 4,000 people. And, and you wait until a team turns around and says, it's not fair because I played a game against a team who had tier one and their fans clearly made an advantage and I played next week at home and it was fanless and I didn't get home advantage. Yeah. So, so teams will, yeah, there'll be some shithousery come off the back of it. So anyway, you've got a rant of the week. <laughs> so following on from last week's I'm a Celebrity. Yes. I like watching I'm a Celebrity. I think you enjoy, like, I think it's good for the people that listen to know, is that Bob really enjoys CAC television. I wouldn't say CAC. Well, you watch I'm a Celeb, 
You, I think you watch Towie. I don't um, watch Towie. Don't uh, drop Towie into I my collides. Um, he also enjoys Strictly Come Dancing. I do, and uh, although um, the dancing first Dancing on Ice. I don't um, watch that. No, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I don't watch Strictly. I don't watch Dancing on Ice. Songs of Praises. I, I ban that from the uh, the house. That's not allowed on my television. Strictly uh, the Ice Dancing thing. Absolute. <laughs> it's absolute posh. I Strictly Come Dancing is brilliant, though. Although yeah, the first yeah. time I watched it, I thought this is a bit weird because there was it wasn't Strictly Come Dancing at all. But it was. But no, I do watch these programs. You know, they get the list. They got the the it's, it's Bake Off final tonight. You know, I don't watch Bake Off since it's moved on to uh, the other channel. You know, since they got rid of Mary Berry. Right. Mary. What's this got to do with your rant of the week? Sorry, but we, I watched I'm a Celebrity. I do enjoy I'm a Celebrity. It's quite brilliant. Last night's episode, there I am sitting at home watching it and they do this castle coin challenge where they go off, participate in a little thing, they get a little bag of coins and then they have to go and go to a shack where they can choose a treat for the, for the team. Right. And then the team has to answer a two-question, multiple-choice and they get if they get the question right, they get the treat. So last night the treat was chocolate mini eggs. Cadbury's chocolate mini eggs. They didn't drop a brand name, but chocolate mini eggs. They've said got to assume. Well, they've used mini. Sweet. Yeah. I let you have that as a sweet. It is a sweet. And the not. other option was scotch eggs. Fantastic. I love a scotch egg. I'm a huge scotch egg fan. I know. Yes. I mean, I would have probably gone for the chocolate. You know. What is a scotch egg, Robert? We'll come on to that. So then, when they get in there. Not only was it to see everyone's face when they were told they got scotch eggs instead of... Mini eggs. Mini eggs. But they unveiled, unveiled these scotch eggs. And in fact, they were not scotch eggs. Oh. A scotch egg is a boiled egg wrapped in sausage meat, coated with breadcrumbs. That is your scotch egg. That is, that is the definition, the final recipe of a scotch egg. These eggs that they received were not a scotch egg. These were chopped egg in a mayonnaise coating, if you will, or encasement, wrapped in sausage meat the same, and then breadcrumbed. It was not a scotch egg. It was an egg mayonnaise filled snack egg, savoury egg, egg bite. You know, I would go on. Not a scotch egg. And it absolutely makes my blood boil when people call them scotch eggs. It is not a scotch egg. It is a snack egg. It is a savoury egg. It is an egg bite. Is there egg in the mixture? Yes. Is there the scotchness? What is the scotch part? Well, it's it's, it's a boiled egg wrapped in sausage meat. No, I actually once... But there is egg wrapped in sausage meat with breadcrumbs. No, but no, ho, 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 ho. Stop. I rang Ginsters to a scotch egg bar. And one day... I rung them up. I said, excuse me, Mr. Ginster, Mr. Cornishman. I said, this Scotch egg bar, it's not a Scotch egg. She goes, what do you mean? I said, it's egg mayonnaise in a sausage-shaped item. It's not a Scotch egg. She goes, well, it's the same ingredients. I said, so is a sausage and egg sandwich. Sausage meat wrapped around the egg, boiled egg. If you want to do a mini Scotch egg, use a quail's egg. <laughs> that is a mini egg. Wrapped in sausage meat. This, this snack eggs, these scotch eggs bars, they're not scotch eggs. They shouldn't be referred to as scotch eggs. It absolutely, you know, when I saw it, I, I, was, I said to my, I said, Nicola, look at this. I cannot believe I have seen this. I nearly changed the channel. I was in that much disgust. But to imagine that you offer up 
a Cadbury, I'm going to call it Cadbury's Mini Egg, because if they came in with a an insuperior Mini Egg to that of the Cadbury's variety, they really are trying to shit on these people. First and foremost, they've gone from the outback, the jungle, to fucking Wales. And then Nothing wrong with Wales. And then you're discarding the Mini Egg and replacing it with some kind of non-Cadbury's type, which would just be insuperior. Imagine they gave them the smartest Mini Egg. They are fucking awful. Or a little. Oh, <laughs> And nothing wrong with Lidl. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm a massive fan of a Scotch egg in like a rustic pub as a starter, you know, and it's cooked and the egg is runny. You know, what Scottish sauce do you have accompanying your Scotch egg? Uh, probably something like... Um, There's only one. The, the, yeah, it'd be like a chutney or um, or, or um, a piccalilli. It's salad cream. What the fuck? Who, who? Salad cream is the traditional accompaniment salad to Scotch cream egg. is poverty, mate. You Get the late, great Gary Rhodes did on his cooking programme for yonks ago, Scotch egg with salad cream. Salad, cream, salad cream is a poverty sauce. That is fucking Do you know the difference outrageous. between salad cream and mayonnaise? I, I don't care to give Salad cream's made... Uh, salad cream's made from semen? No, no, it's, it's not made from anyone that goes on the ocean. It's made with boiled egg. Nah. Not having that. Salad cream shit house. You don't like salad cream? It's crap. It's it's watered down. It's not even a sauce that contains substance. It is the exact sauce that if the lid is a little bit off and somehow the bottle is facing downward, almost definitely contents end up on the floor. Whereby in a ketchup or a mayonnaise or a jerk or a barbecue sauce... A jerk any, sauce! Yes. <laughs> Levi Root's sauce is phenomenal. Riggy, riggy. Yes. Any of the other sources, you have time to repair the issue of the lid facing downwards. I don't Salad- think you do have a barbecue sauce. That's quite a that's quite a loose sauce. Mm, not if you've got a good glazed barbecue sauce. But I don't eat barbecue sauce after an unfortunate accident with barbecue pulled pork at my father-in-law's house, who decided to try and kill me. Um, thank you very much, uh, father-in-law Sean, for that. So anyway, back to my scotch egg. It it ripped my heart apart and it upset me. And I have written... Will you be making scotch eggs for the Christmas special? Oh no. I think I'm going to keep it with festive garments only. Pigs in said blankets. Uh, plus some other fine eateries. <laughs> eateries, yeah. Uh, do you like a Christmas pudding? No, I don't. But I have recently um, moved into the world of enjoying mince pies. I do like a mince pie. Yes, so anyway. I might even try and concoct my own this year. Should we have a mince pie-off? Yeah, good do. In honour of the bake-off, but our own version. Our own bake-off. So we, we've, we've sort of waned off the football subject because of this disgracefulness with Scotch eggs. And also it just it, it makes it easier to um, leave on a high note and uh, look forward to what happens next week. Or in the coming week, when we have Mulder away, we have Wolves... At home, so Bob's three ladies will not travel down. So what but, do we reckon in scores? Uh, I think we're going to draw one all. With Wolves? Yes. I think we're going to be, get beat 1-0. Okay, and uh, the Mouldy game, I'm going to... I'll go first on this one. Go on then. We will win 4-0. Fucking hell. We will win 2-1. Goal scorers. Uh, for Wolves, it would be my man Neves. Yes. I'm saying scoring none in that game. And then against Mulder, well, it's Thursday night. It's going to be Reese Nelson. Thursday night, I believe Eddie will pick up the phone. He's due a goal. And I think <laughs> Arsenal won, Wolves won. Who will score? 
Lacazette. Lacazette. Good for him. Cool. All right. It has been a lovely week. I think we've probably uh, rambled on a fair significant bit, but it's been enjoyable, actually. I loved it. You enjoy this, don't you? It's it's something to look forward to in my week. Absolutely. Mine too. Whilst we are locked down and we uh, are able to come to our essential place of work, which is a studio where we socially distance and don't touch. Cool. I've been Jim. I've been Bob. Catch you later. <laughs>